Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. question this morning is this. What are you invested in? Where are you really invested? We're in a series called I'm in. Say that with me. I'm in. We can try that again. I'm in. I'm in. And this is the last Sunday of the series. You've been invited to the work of God. Say, I'm invited. You're invaluable to the work of God. Say, I'm invaluable. Not only that, last week Mark preached, you might not have been here, but he preached, I'm influential. Say, I'm influential. And this week, I'm going to be preaching, I'm invested. Say, I'm invested. And the question is, what are you invested in? Had a young man... One time he got a new car. He was 16 years old. He came to the church and said, Chris, I'm really excited about this. It wasn't, it was new to him. It was a pre-owned, they don't say used anymore, pre-owned car. It was really nice. I got inside of it and we drove around and he said, do you want to know how much I gave for it? And I said, sure, I'm interested. It's nicer than anything I drove. It, I, you know, I've driven junk all my life. In fact, I just, you know, our 16-year-olds, our kids had cars. We got them cars that weren't the best. And so I just drove them till they died this last year. So so just imagine what they were like. Anyway, I was in the car with him, and, and so he whispered the price. I'm thinking, dude, we're in a car. There's nobody around. You're driving around. I paid this. What's that all about? But he was invested. I, I didn't say, hey, can I chew in your car and spit on your floor? I didn't say, hey, can I smoke in your car? I didn't say, hey, can I eat in your car? Why? Because he was invested. This was n- a nice thing, and he was taking care of it. It was all clean. It was all waxed. So it was really, really cool. Now, isn't that the way we treat things when we're invested? I find that when people don't have skin in the game and when they're not invested, it really, really doesn't matter to them. And my hope is, as I preach this morning, that you can say with me, I am generously invested in God's church. Voila. It even says that. Now, some of you... Maybe you remember back in the day when you had chalkboards and you had real chalk. How many of you grew up in a classroom like that? Chalkboards and real chalk. Okay, most of you have. And you got to remember when Chris was this little hyperactive third and fourth grader, and I was, I was off the walls. That was before people put, gave kids medications for that kind of stuff. The teacher, when she'd have enough of me, she'd send me outside with all the erasers in the classroom and have them beat them together. Now, how many of you have done that? In fact, they got high-tech 
eventually along my education, they actually had machines to do that. I see Donna Buell making the, the whole sign of, and it would suck the chalk out of those erasers. And, and why I'm telling you that is because this new thing, this television, is for our online community. If you're online this morning and you're on Facebook Live or whatever social media that we're on this morning, this is for you so you can see the outline. And I just treat it like a chalkboard because I'm old school like that. But it's going to make it easier. We're not going to flip back and forth on the screen. And, and, and for you guys that take notes and are a little slow on your note-taking, this is just for you. And I see some of you looking up at me and smiling right now. Let's, uh, and, and, and really what you need to say is thank you. In the early service, I didn't even have to prompt them to say that. Let's all practice that together. Thank you. All right. And online people, this is for you as well. And hopefully you can join us sometime. And by the way, it was only 11, it was 11 degrees last week, and some of you weren't here because it was 11 degrees, and I'm not going to chide you, but I am going to say we are on live, and you can watch any time during that 24-hour period from on live, you could come and join us, but guess what? I don't think you did, because our visits and our reach didn't expand like we thought it would, so when you can't make it because it's too cold for you, and by the way, the Hoosiers were here last Sunday. I wasn't. I was at a church, a different church, but, but I was at church. But, you know, 12 degrees to us is nothing. That's shirt sleeve weather, isn't it, Dwight? Uh, wouldn't you wouldn't go that far. It was cold. It was cold. It was bitter cold. But, but join us online and be a part of us. Now, you might say to yourself, truthfully, I'm not fully invested in God's church. And I would say you're invested in something. If you looked at your time over the week, if you looked at where you use your giftedness and your talent, if you looked at where you placed your treasure or gave your treasure, you would be able to figure out where you're invested. For me, I'm invested in Toastmasters. I've been, last six or seven years, I've been investing in learning how to speak better publicly. And, and you guys have been really, really good to me. I started out with reading manuscripts and sweating, and then I went to outline, and then somebody threw a cog in my wheel and said, you know you're smart enough, you could go note free. And that just dug into my spirit. I mean, it just really, I thought, man, I've got to raise my ante up, and I, it's going to take more time, it's going to take more effort, it's going to take anything of quality, it takes sacrifice. But they were right. And so now I'm doing it note-free. And it, it's like jumping out of an airplane every week without a parachute. And, and it's dangerous because my hyperactivity, I, I can say things that I never intended to say, and you all know when, when I do it, because I will look at you and you will think to yourself, I can't believe you just said that. And this is unscripted, unfiltered Chris, which is very, very dangerous and scary. And so, but, but you've been really, really gracious with me. And, 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 and when you look at it, I'm invested in the local YMCA. I've been a member of the YMCA everywhere I've gone. But hopefully, like me and like you, my number one investment 
is the church of Jesus Christ and my relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, hopefully, would be my marriage and my relationship with my family. And number three would be all that other stuff. All that other stuff. And hopefully, if you track my time and my talent and my treasure, it would go God first and then others. And, and, and that's so important. But the problem is that many of us are investing in things that don't last. And Jesus speaks directly to that. If we're investing our life, our talent, our time, our treasure in things that don't last, that don't make a difference eternally, and don't make a difference for others, then then we've got our priorities mixed up. And Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, in verse 19, he says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't get so caught up in this temporary world that we're just suspect on the timeline of eternity, but invest where we were created to invest in eternal values and eternal things that will make a difference. Put your treasure in heaven. You see, our God created us to pour and not to store. Now, that's a radical concept for us as Americans, and we're going to tear this down this morning in this message. And some of you might be, be thinking to yourself, and I've been in this moment and was raised around this a lot of my life. You, you say, well, Chris, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And that's a scarcity mindset. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around some folks that were raised in depression. We're talking 1930s. There are not, not a whole lot of them left. But as I was growing up, I was influenced by that Depression-era thinking. I mean, they saved the tin foil. They would save the tin cans. They would save wax paper. I mean, it was just kind of crazy, and I'm not making fun of them because if I had been through what they had been to, through and they had lost, you know, they had lost all their money, they didn't have anything, they might have been removed from their houses and repossessed, I might have felt the same way. They were always afraid of that possibly happening again in their lives. And so it was a scarcity mindset. And many of you think this way, when I have more, then I will give more. But what happens is when we hoard and we have more, then we still practice that scarcity mindset. But this, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 in a parable that he talked about this rich man. This rich man had beat the odds, the, the seasons and the rain and the sun and, and planting and all of those things went together and God blessed him with an abundance. But what he said was, was something that God didn't want him to say and didn't want him to do. And this is the closest passage that we see in all of Scripture that has to do with retirement. And, and we need to rethink as Christians to be separate 
separating ourselves from the world and being kingdom uh, citizens and, and followers of Jesus, we need to rethink all of this a little bit to change perspective because this is kind of how we roll. Think about this. In, in verse 18, he says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. Now that kind of makes sense. That's the American way. You make more, you get more, you, you save more, you put it and you hoard it, you take care of it. Your 401k, your, your investments, you grow and you roll them over and over again, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you look at this passage of Scripture, and when you evaluate it, it's all about Him. It's all about self-indulgence. There's nothing about anyone else in sharing and investing in the kingdom of God. It is not laying up treasure for eternity. And what God does at the end of the passage, what Jesus says, that God called Him a fool. Now, the people that were wealthy in that moment Jesus was speaking, this was radical teaching because they always considered it that they were blessed, therefore they were God's anointed chosen people, and because of that, they were blessed. And they didn't think about anyone else. And that's sort of the American way. Now, we as a people are more generous than, than most all around the world, but it's because of Christian teaching of stewardship and giving and being generous. Now, in Luke chapter 12, verse 21, this is what Jesus says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, is it wrong to have mutual funds and 401ks and nice cars and things like that? Absolutely not. But it's wrong if that's the whole focus of our lives is more and more and more and me and me and me. Now, last week I was gone. I was visiting a church that I like to go to, Traders Point Christian Church in Zionsville. Time before last, we were driving out of the parking lot after we'd been in church and worshipped and had a great worship experience. And I was following a Maserati. There's not a Maserati out in our parking lot right now. I just want you to know. And I looked at my wife, Stacy, and I said, you know that's a Maserati. And he was using his turn signal in the, in the parking lot. I was kind of impressed. I thought, he doesn't want me to bump his Maserati. He was invested. And I wasn't being critical of him because I wouldn't have known it was a Maserati but, but it had Maserati on the back, you know, printed. And so I said, hmm, that's a Maserati. I, I, I can read. Or I would have never known it. Now, here, you know, we have a tendency to be critical of people who have nice things nicer than we have. And we think a lot of times that maybe, you know, if they love God, then they would live like we do. And we're more careful than what they are and judge them for their nice things. And I wasn't doing that. I'm thinking... Hey, that's kind of cool. I've never seen one of those before. They're, they're not real common around Clay County. But God has blessed him. He's coming, he or she is going to church. And I'm just going to believe that they're generous with their stuff. They're not caught up into all of that. You see, when you start with a scarcity mindset, you are driven by fear. And fear is not faith. We believe 
that we have an abundant God that loves his children. And I'm not going to get into prosperity preaching. I'm just saying that God wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to give you, and as you steward, he makes a difference in our lives. And we want to have an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset out of faith and not of fear. And so, you know, the question is, how do I operate in this world with faith or in fear? And I would just challenge you to think about that. In Mark chapter 14, much like I started in this series, the 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 well actually the this what occurred in Jesus's life was this sinful woman came and anointed his feet with this alabaster jar of perfume and and she used her tears and wiped his feet with her hair remember that story in the i'm invited sermon of this series. Well, in Mark 14, this is a parallel passage. And what I love is somebody asked me after that service, what about the sinful man? That's that's a fair question. They picked, uh, you know, it may sound like I'm picking on the sinful woman. Didn't talk about the sinful man in this passage. But uh, there were sinful men, obviously, if she was a sinful woman and was a prostitute, possibly. But, but in that story, it's a beautiful story, she poured a year's worth of her income on Jesus' feet. She didn't store that. It was a penitent moment. It was a moment of repentance and change and transformation in her life because she loved Jesus and she knew he loved her. Now, in that moment, who criticized her? Do you remember? It was Judas. And he said, well, she didn't need to do that. We could use that money to give to the poor. And we have that, you know, with that Maserati guy or Maserati person. I could say, hey, you don't have to. You could drive a, a Toyota. You could drive a Honda. You could give that money to the poor. But that was a choice. Who knows what? what they give or don't give. Who cares? But Jesus said this, what she has done will be told around the world. And I know Jesus was thinking that someday in 2020, Chris Gregg will be preaching this sermon and will be telling you about this. Absolutely not. That was was not on his mind, but he knew this generous act would be related in Scripture and be told among the early believers. You see, God has created you to pour and not store. To give because you have received. In Luke chapter 9, verse 12. Now, I love this story. This is probably one of the largest crowds that Jesus ever preached to in, in, in Luke chapter 9. And Luke the physician writes this from, from, from those eyewitnesses that have seen this. And he says, now, the day began to wear away, and, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go, go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. I like, I like that, that. As the day wore on, the disciples got hungry. 
And of course, they didn't have watches at that time. They didn't have cell phones or screens to check the time. But Jesus was going long, probably one of the longest sermons. And they were saying, did you think, I mean, I could just see Thomas and Peter talking. Did you think that Jesus was going to speak this long? No, I didn't. I'm getting hungry. I wish he would send them home. I wish this thing would get over. We need to go get something to eat. We need to go find a place to stay. I mean, are, I, I mean how much more, how much longer can he, can he talk? I mean, let's get it over with. And I can tell that when I look at you guys. I can tell when the day is wearing on. And you're very, very gracious. You just kind of glance at your watch, kind of look at your spouse and say, man, we're, gonna, we're not going to beat the Presbyterians to dinner today. You know, <laughs> the Methodists are even going to beat us. It's just going long. That's how they were feeling. The day wore on. I'm, t- I'm talking, you know, you guys, 20, 25 minutes, that's all I do. Jesus was doing for hours. And they weren't leaving because they were hanging on every word. But, but, but he knew what his apostles were thinking. So he says to them in verse 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And unless we are to go and to buy food for all these people. Come on, Jesus, let's be real. Don't be ridiculous. We can't do that. And so what does Jesus do in verses 16 and 17 of this passage? He says, in taking the five loaves and the two fish, the, the uh, Long John Silver's value pack, and he looked up to heaven and he, he said a blessing over them, and then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples that sat before the crowd. Now, that wasn't a whole lot of food for five to 5,000 men and probably anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 people. And, and they all ate and were satisfied, and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. So here is Jesus blessing this small snack pack meal And then not only did God provide all they needed to satisfy all of these people in groups of 50, but then he had 12 doggy bags there so he could send his apostles home with an object lesson, with an object lesson, so they would be reminded that God not only provides your needs, but he gives abundantly. And I can just imagine them coming home and maybe their wives or their families and saying, hey, where'd you get food? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. He, uh, he, he did this you know, wild miracle, and, and here's, here are the leftovers. Hmm. See, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. What you keep is all you have. But what you give is what God multiplies. So when did God multiply what they had? Is when Jesus blessed it and they gave it to the crowd. You see, God didn't give them more when they stored it. God gave them more when they poured it. And that's what they were doing. And I could just imagine saying, oh, great, Jesus, here we go. This is going to be so humiliating. (laughs) If you gave me half a loaf and, and, a, and about a third of a fish, and this is not going to work. And then all of a sudden, you know, they were passing it around, and it was all 
that they needed. It was enough and even more than enough. Say, well, Chris, where do you start in this whole thing? And I think the the tipping point, if you will, is the tithe. Now, if you're not ready to go to, to the tithe, which is 10% taught in Scripture, then start with giving. But I believe the tipping point in blessing is in the tithe. And, and, and I think I've told you this story before of, of how, you know, I've tithed all my life. But, but as a youth pastor, I'd see kids that have need, and I would, I would use that income, even though the church provided, especially this church has provided for youth ministry and budget and youth fund, and you guys are very, very generous. And I was listening to some tapes. Yes, back in the day, cassette tapes. Some of you have never seen them before, but they were really real. We were sitting in an elders meeting, and Eric Somehow provided these from John Maxwell, and it was a giving teaching series, and it was making me mad because it was very clear on the boundaries of how we are to give and how God's blessings and, and all that was going on. I was thinking, I'm not doing it exactly right. I need to change. And it was conviction that I was feeling. And so I did. And I talked it over with Stacy. And, and, and in that moment, and right after that moment, it was like a month later, my grandmother had passed away, which broke, I mean, I'm devastated. Closest person that I'd ever lost in my life. And she left me her white Buick, I can't even, LeSabre or something. It was a boat. It was huge. Another quality car that I drove. But also, I sold her house. And my dad and my aunt gave me a commission like they would a realtor. And that was the beginning of the blessing. And, and then I bought two houses for $15,000, which was unheard of. And I started working on these houses. And two years later, I doubled my income on the first house sale. And then on the second house, I doubled, you know, it doubled. And God provided that. And, and it was just at that turning point, at that tipping point, it all changed in my life and could finally save for the long term because I was investing in the kingdom of God. Now, this is not prosperity, and it doesn't happen like that all the time. But I think that when you test God in these type of things, it will change your world and understanding. You see, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, Malachi was a prophet, and he was... He was calling Israel out on, on, on their unfaithfulness in, in different areas. And this is just one area that he called them out on. And, and it says in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Malachi, he said, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. This is the only place in Scripture that God says put him to the test. And I would challenge you to say, God, I want to test you in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see, that no more need is what Jesus did in feeding of that 5,000. You look in scripture, it says, and they ate until they were satisfied until there was no more need. And for us, he does the same thing. And when I preach sermons like this, our givers Love it because they live it. I could give you example after example, story after story of folks that are very generous to this church, not because, uh, what do I say, they have to, but because they have gotten it all through their lives and they live abundantly because they have invested in the kingdom of God for eternity. 
And that will be there when we go there. You see, God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. God can do more with our 90%, with us keeping our 90% than we could ever do with the 100% that we hold on to. And I, and I teach this not out of coercion, not out of manipulation, not out of force. I'm just saying, test God in this. He wants to bless you. And, and it will be an act of faith and growth in your life. Would you please stand while I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you are a God of abundance that you provide for every need always. And Father, we're thankful that we've been invited into your kingdom, that we're loved, we're chosen, that we are called. We're thankful that we're invaluable to the kingdom work that you've gifted us with talents and treasure and time to be used. Father, we're thankful that we're influencers, that we are salt and light because you change us and transform us and use us for your glory, for your kingdom. And finally, Father, we pray that we're invested in eternity, that there's treasure being laid up in heaven because we're placing there by faith because we trust you and your word and we live by faith and not by sight. Father, give us an abundance mindset. Take away that scarcity mindset and make us what you would make us to be. And Father, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?